Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, as I can continue to grow in the Lord, I, I learned to find that silence is good sometimes. You know, uh, y'all go ahead and kill that, please, behind me. Silence is good sometimes. And we use, you know, yeah, she's over here dancing. Hallelujah. <laughs> I like, you know, I'm not like a Miri jury. I don't want anything to ever feel like a funeral home or anything like that. But I also, I also don't want us to begin to need other things to receive joy, right? You know, even like we play some music and, and we just had a really intimate moment with the Lord. Sometimes it's good to just kind of sit in reverence of God and not talk, right? But, you know, we rely on things like, you know, we need to get your blood pumping. Let's do upbeat, fast, get you running and jumping. That's great and wonderful. And we praise the Lord. But really, it says those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So what if we shifted our focus where we could literally learn how to gain supernatural strength, literally energy in our body, grace from God. Where the Holy Ghost comes and quickens our mortal body. And you're like, I didn't even have to do a Zumba class. I learned how to just tap into the presence and the glory of God. And He renewed my strength. And now I run and I don't grow weary. And I walk and I don't grow faint. And I soar high on wings like eagles. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, I really don't know what all is going to happen this morning. Uh, we'll see. I have a little bit the Lord's put on my, in, in my spirit. And you know what I really try to do? It's really funny, but here lately, it seems like the Lord hasn't been giving me a word until like the morning of church. And you guys, think, and I want to tell you, it's not because I'm not, I'm not pressing in all week long. I'm not reading. I'm not studying. I mean, we've been in revival all week. We were at a... Revival Sunday through Wednesday, Thursday, we drove over. Some of you guys came as well. Uh, went over to another meeting in Houston. And I want to tell you just that fact alone, how important it is to get in meetings. How important it is to get in the glory of God, get in the anointing, get in the flow of the Holy Ghost. You know, I... I I didn't grow up kind of a preacher's kid, and I didn't grow up even really in a Holy Ghost-filled church, and so I didn't grow up around revival meetings, but when I caught the fire, that's something we do. I mean, we travel all over. If you guys know us, you're like, man, you guys just seem like if you're not here, you're gone somewhere else, and, uh, and I thought that was a normal thing. <laughs> I did, because, but then I was, we were at this meeting Thursday night, and, and Brother Jonathan was saying, he said... Preachers of the old understood this. When they weren't having their own meetings, they were in other people's meetings. Yeah. So he said even preachers, if you, if you go back and watch some of Kenneth Hagin's 
meetings. You know who you'll see in the front row? Kenneth Copeland. You know who else you'll see? You'll see uh, John Osteen. You'll see Joel Osteen's father, John Osteen. He was a very Holy Ghost filled man. They understood this, guys, because it's not just preaching. I mean, it's, it, you have to learn to live your life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be what I talk about today. You have to learn to literally structure your life where you get in the flow of the Holy Spirit and you don't get out of it. Yes, that's right. You don't get out of it. So get to these meetings. I want to tell y'all some of the vision. We're going to be changing the name of this church. I'm not going to tell you everything because the Lord hasn't told me yet. We're going to be changing the name of this church as of January 2022. And it's not just a, a name change. It's really a destiny. It's a mantle. It's a direction. It's everything that the Lord... Um, well, I guess I can tell you the name. As of January 2022, the name of this church is going to be Revival House Church. Revival House Ministries. The ministry is going to be Revival House Ministries International, but Revival House Church is what this church is going to be called. And the reason the Lord told me that is not... Honestly, it's, it's something that... I can say this, we're young. We've never really had people that we just came up underneath that, that babied us and walked us through. Me and Carissa, as far as ministry goes, we've been through the school of hard knocks. Everything we've learned, we've had to learn ourselves and learn by the, by the leading of the Spirit. And He's had to teach us. And, you know, we've had to touch the stove a few times. And how, that was bad. That wasn't good. And learn some things. But even, you know, out of this, I never felt like the Lord, and I'm being honest with you, I never really felt like the Lord told me to name this New Beginnings Church. To be honest with you, when we started this, the Lord dropped it in our lap so fast that you can ask the people that were here. I was like, guys, honestly, I don't care what our name is. Let's just call ourselves the Church of Huntington. And then everybody's like, no, that won't be good. Because there's, there's the Church of Wells down the street. You know, they're like, everybody already thinks you're a cult as it is, so don't do that. Uh, Right? Anytime you start speaking in tongues, you're a cult around here because the devil hates it. And I guess the devil's used to people that that, that bothered. I guess in the past, the devil was used to put, saying that to people. You're a cult. And they'd go home and cry. I laugh. I laugh about it. I made a Facebook post a while back where, where you know, it got back to me. People that were hurt and offended ran around and there was just these little rumors that, yeah, that's a cult. Uh, I made a post and I said, we are not a cult. FYI, for your information, we are not a cult. On another note, we'll be having grape-flavored Kool-Aid this Wednesday night. <laughs> and I, I was like, I hope the people that said that, like literally they're sitting over there, oh man, I, I, you know, thinking we're going to be upset. And then they see that and they get so mad. What's wrong with these people? They're crazy. Yeah, we are crazy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're not crazy. We're just not like the world. We're not like everybody else. <laughs> You're crazy. We're normal. Right? I mean, really, what we try to do is we want to live before the fall. We want to live in fellowship with God. We want to, His ways aren't like our ways. People think you're crazy, but then you read the Bible and God says, my ways aren't like your ways. That's right. He says in Romans 12, don't be conformed to the patterns and the customs of this world. So the, the people of God shouldn't look like the world. We shouldn't do the things of the world. We shouldn't participate in the customs of the world. The world will look at you and think, you, you're weird. Yeah, you're right. I am weird. Weird compared to you. That's for sure. 
But when you compare us to Jesus, we look a lot like him. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't say that arrogantly. Anybody that's filled with the Holy Ghost, we're going to talk about it. We are transformed into his image. That's right. Um, but, you know, the, the Lord told, told me, I, we named the, the church New Beginnings. And really, I did that because it was the church I grew up in. And, and you know, they helped me and they, they gave me my first opportunity in ministry. So I really just did it as a seat of honor. And so now we've got the seed of honor planted. Now let's step into the destiny, right? That the Lord has for us. And so the Lord gave me that years ago. And I've honestly just sat on it and just thought, well, I don't know. You know, it's okay. It doesn't really matter. But this last October, we were in Tampa at a Holy Ghost meeting. And I want to tell you guys one of the most important things. This is why people don't understand. Well, I can just watch church at home. Okay. And then the people that, that say that kind of stuff, talk to them, and you'll see real fast that the Lord never speaks anything to them. You see real fast the people that think like that are the people that are always struggling, they're always bound, they're always having problems, and, and they don't talk like, oh man, hallelujah, let me tell you something, let me tell you what the Lord's been speaking in my spirit lately. Let me tell you the revelation God's been giving me. They don't talk like that, because you know why? Most of that revelation comes when you get in the river. Yes, right. You could be in church this morning and I'm going to preach a word to you, but the Lord will also speak specific things to you That's right. that actually probably might have nothing to do with what I'm saying to you. And you say, that's strange. Why does that take place? Because when you get in the anointing, the, the Spirit just begins to flow. I mean, it begins to stir. It begins to speak to you and teach you. I went to the river uh, and... and uh, Tampa this last October and when I was there it was like the Lord just smacked me upside the head I mean not in a bad way but it's like I hit a brick wall and the Lord was like you must change the name of your ministry and you must do it now the time is now and he began to speak to me about what that's going to look like you know revival house again it's not just a a name it's a destiny the Lord's pouring out his glory in different places in the United States of America. If you, if you listen to prophets, like uh, Kent Christmas is a major prophet of the Lord. He talks about, and this sounds weird, but he talks about God gates and God portals. God gates are the men and women who have yielded to the Lord and allowed Him to use them. And God portals is basically where their ministries are that, that the Lord is pouring out His glory as a part of this end-time revival that we're stepping into. I mean, I could show if you've been here, I'm not just saying weird stuff. I've shown you this through the scriptures. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, says the Lord. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Your men and women alike, servants alike will prophesy. We've, we've looked at the scripture that there's a pro prophetic word that we're stepping into of a great outpouring end time revival that must take place before the return of Christ. Well, what's been happening with COVID? If you've been listening to the Lord, there's been a test. There's been a test where God's been separating wheat from the chaff. Where, where the Lord showed me, it's like a type of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? The government came, the, the, this test came where they said, you need to bow. And the Lord began to look to see who's going to stand and who's going to bow. Not just ministers, Christians. Who bows, who stands. If you bow, you're placed on the left. If you stand, you're placed on the right. 
What's been happening in the last two years? Well, back in January, or, or what was it, March or April of 2020, Nebuchadnezzar gave the decree, you must bow down and worship this statue. And then you first, you started having people bowing and you had some people standing. But then what happened as time progressed, lockdowns got harsher and, and persecution got harsher and the world pretty much turned on you and thought that you're a sociopath and psychopath. If you're still having church, you're still doing all of that. You get persecuted, you get laughed at, you get rejected, you get mocked, you get ridiculed, all of those things. What's happened is, as the years have gone by since 2020, almost two years coming up in 2022, we've turned from Nebuchadnezzar giving the decree to bow to actually now, you know, you had some people, well, we're going to stand. But then we started being led to the fiery furnace. And what you've seen is as, as we've gotten closer to the furnace, more people have dropped off. And then more people have got redeemed though as well. Because the thing about the Lord is He doesn't just, well, you missed it. I hate you. You're going to hell. Sorry. He's slow to anger. It says that He wills that all men come to repentance. So there's people that jumped on the ship, but I want to tell you, the Lord's had to do a deep work in their heart. Because the Lord's even tested that. Um, what I mean by that is there was people that have genuinely received a deep conviction and an understanding of what's actually happening right now. And they've repented. We should have stood, but we didn't. Hallelujah, Lord. I'm sorry. I repent. The devil got me once. He'll never get me again. And they jumped on the right train. They got on the right side. But then there was other people as well that just allowed, you know, basically allowed other people to take the heat and now when they saw that things were clearing up a little bit, they said, is something going on with my mind? Do I need to switch something? Is it cutting in and out? The battery is dying. Well, let's check that from now on before service. Check, check, check. Whoa, there we go. That one works real good, don't it? <laughs> Honestly, didn't plan on saying any of this, so this is just by the Spirit. Is it still cutting out? Are we good? Hallelujah. What do I need to do? Well, that's the last time I try that thing. <laughs> I told Tristan this morning, I said, I'll give it a shot. Nope. <laughs> Gave it a shot. <laughs> Pastor Tanner, they're all yours if you want them. <laughs> all right, let's get this mic set. And so, there were people. There we go. Oh, okay, that's what it was reverbing. Man, all this dang technology. Make sure everything else behind me is muted but this microphone. Okay? Um, so there were people that let everyone else take the heat. 
And then, you know, they saw, well, now that, now that we saw that other people kind of stood against their governors and stood against their county judges and stood against the community and they're not throwing them in jail, well, now, okay, now we'll open back up. I want to tell you, the Lord sees that. The Lord, the man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord determines the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. And I made a Facebook post, and, I, and I'll back it up again. I'll say it publicly. If your church shut down, you need to leave that church. And I want to tell you, until two things happen. Number one, why is God saying that? You're saying that seems really harsh. Until there is public repentance, you have to leave. Check, check. It always reverbs like this? Yes. Do I need to preach without a mic this morning? <laughs> okay. Well, y'all figure it out, please. Thank you. Um, you know, the Lord looks at a heart, and so, so I said this, that, that there needs to be public repentance. Where... Because I want to say this as well. I've taught about repentance, but guys, when the Bible teaches about repentance, it doesn't mean I just made a mistake, so now I just sweep it under the rug and never act like it happened. That's not repentance. I want to tell you, let's put it in a more practical example as well. Even in your marriage, you know, if you're a spouse and you do something that offends the Holy Ghost and that's opposite to the Word of God, don't just... Oh, well, I shouldn't have done it. And, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then sweep it under the rug. Repentance is vocalizing something. It's a shift. It's a change of the way you think. It's a change of direction. But true repentance, you know where repentance comes from? Humility. Without humility, there is no repentance. And so, repentance is actually humbling yourself and saying, you know, Lord, I, I missed it. I grieved you. I misled people. I misspoke. And I, I'm going to humble myself. And I'm telling you, if a person would do that, if a minister would do that, we messed it. We messed up. I want to tell you, we were afraid to talk about it before, but now we're not going to be afraid to talk about what's really happening. We're really going to lead people. The Lord will redeem that person and that ministry so fast. But I want to tell you, these people that just swept it under the rug, you guys think that, as, as we get you know, closer to the return of Christ, that this is just going to go away. That's what people think. People think, well, we got through it. Amen. That was horrible. Now life goes on. But when you study the Scriptures, Jesus said that these things are like birthing pains. If you know what a birthing pain is, He's talking about contractions. Think about a contraction. As the birth of the baby comes, the do, do, do the contractions get less intense and more spread out or more intense and closer together? So when he talked about these signs of the second coming being like a woman's birthing pains, that's what he's talking about. These famines, these earthquakes, the, the heavens and earth will be shaken. The, these, this persecution, you'll be hated, persecuted, killed. He said that this would actually intensify as the return of Christ draws near. So according to the Bible, we know that this wasn't just a one-time thing, that now, you know, well, people are kind of awake now, so the United Nations and the government, all they're just never going to try anything again. No, there's an agenda of the Antichrist 
to get the body of Christ out of the way so that He can come and, and do everything that He wants to do. Do you know why I, I believe in a pre-raptured tribulation? I don't believe the church will be around for the, uh, uh, for the tribulation. I don't believe that. Number one, because I don't believe the Scriptures teach that, and I'm not going to dig into all of that right now, but you know, the Bible talks about how the one who is holding him back must be removed before he can step into power, before he can step into position. The one holding the Antichrist back is the one who has dominion on the earth. It's the church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said that. So that's why all these Christians that are ignorant during all of the stuff that has happened, you know, they're, they're not trying to get the church to shut down. They're just trying to protect people. That's why they told you you must go online. No. Actually, everything the devil does is focused and intended on getting the church out of the way because the church is the only thing stopping him from, from stepping into Bible prophecy and, bring, and, and stepping into his hour of power on the earth. That's right, right. And so you have to understand this as well. The, the, no man knows the hour or the day of Christ's return. No person but the Father knows that. The Bible says this. Do you know the devil doesn't know when Jesus is returning? Turn me up a little bit, please, just to hear. The devil doesn't know when Jesus is returning. Did you know that? So why, why do we see, as we study in 1 John, it talks about there's the spirit of the Antichrist that's at work. It says the Antichrist will come into manifestation, but there's actually a spirit that's already at work among us. That's why, you know, people, there's a lot of Christians that talked about like the vaccine being um, the mark of the beast. Guys, the vaccine's not the mark of the beast, but it's from the devil. I'm not saying all vaccines are of the devil, but I want to tell you, when you read Revelation 13, it says that the devil, the Antichrist, will require everyone, say everyone. everyone. So the mark's going to be something that's pushed on everyone. Great or small, rich or poor, to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. Without this mark, they can't buy, sell, or trade anything. So the Bible says in Revelation 13 that there will be a mark that's given that limits what you can buy. It limits what you can sell. It limits your ability to interact in society. Hey, you can't go to the grocery store unless you have this mark. You can't own a business unless you have this mark. You see, do you see a parallel with what's happening right now? I'm not telling you that the, that the vaccine's the mark of the beast, but what I'm telling you is there is a spirit that's at work that doesn't know the hour that Christ is returning. So what does he do? All throughout history, he constantly tries his hand and tries his hand and tries his hand, thinking that maybe he'll get lucky and step into Bible prophecy, and then maybe he'll get lucky and do all this stuff, and then boom, it'll be the hour where the church is gone. And now he's got his whole plan set up where he can just step right in. The devil's doing that. And so the Bible says, as the end draws near, that these things will happen like a woman's birthing pains. So according to the Bible, we know, I'm not trying to preach doom and gloom, because let me tell you as well, it's a different report for the children of God. 
You know, the Bible says that the way of the righteous shines brighter and brighter till the full light of day. That's right. Think about that. That means that for the church, for the believer, it's like a sunrise. You know, when the sun starts to peak over the hill, it's, you can kind of see it. But then as, as, it gets, as the day goes on, the sun gets higher and higher and higher and brighter and brighter. That's the way of the righteous. Are y'all hearing me this morning? That means that according to the Word of God, Psalms 1-3, those that delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night shall be like trees planted along the riverbank who bear fruit in each season, who leaves never wither and prosper in all that they do. So for the believer, we are actually supposed to prosper in the midst of famine. As for the believer, if we walk according to the Bible promises, we are actually supposed to prosper in the midst of, Bible lock, uh, of government lockdown. That's right. As a believer, we're supposed to prosper when gas prices are at its highest and, inf right. and inflation's at its highest and the housing market's at its highest. We shine brighter and brighter and go from glory to glory and we produce fruit each season. That's right. And the Lord actually gave me a revelation. Not only are we to produce fruit each season, Jesus said in John chapter 15, every branch that abides in me, I prune so that it produces more fruit. Say more fruit. more fruit. So not only do we produce fruit in each season, but according to the word, as long as we're in Christ, we should constantly be producing more than we were in the last season. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That means that the best days for the church, according to the Bible, I'm not up here just shouting and telling you something good according to the bible the best days for the church are ahead hallelujah. Hallelujah. hallelujah according to the bible 2022 is going to be better than 2021 because we're going to go brighter we're going to produce more fruit we're going to even in the midst of what the antichrist spirit has planned for us we're going to prosper in the midst of it hallelujah you see it all throughout the bible was it Isaac that sowed during famine? Abraham's son Isaac. It says that a great famine came and Isaac went into the field to sow. I'm going to tell you, why did, why, during that time of famine, everybody else was storing up toilet paper in their house. Storing up waters in their house. Sitting here with this bug out bag mentality like the world's ending and we better, you know, man, we're going to really have to suffer and we're going to lack. That's not what Isaac did. In fact, in a year of famine, think about, think about famine. What is famine? You know what's crazy? Famine meant there was no rain. It wasn't just like, well, the economy's not really going well. If you don't have rain, you don't have crops. If you don't have rain, you don't really have a choice, right? But think about his faith. In the years where there was no rain, he's out in the field sowing seed when there's no rain. Why in the world would he have done that? Because he understood the blessing that was on his life because of the blessing of his father Abraham. And so what ended up happening? Harvest time comes and everybody else is sitting over here lacking and starving and they're impoverished, they're in famine. And Isaac's out there prospering, reaping. It says that that year he reaped a hundred times what he sowed. It says that he actually grew so powerful that the country that he was in asked him to leave because they began to fear him. Man, Isaac, you got more servants than we do have a military. 
They started to understand that if we get on the wrong side of this guy, he could take our entire country away from us. Guys, we have the blessing. We have the same blessing Abraham had. Galatians three says. But I actually want to take it a step further. I was reading. Show you this example. Lord, help me remember where this was. Luke. This is in Luke chapter seven, verse twenty-eight. Look what Jesus said. I tell you that all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. He was talking about John the Baptist. Yet even, look at this, yet even the least person in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. You know who lived before John? Abraham did. You know who lived before John? Elijah did. You know who lived before John? Moses did. Who else lived before John? Joshua did. Ezekiel did, Jeremiah did, Isaiah did. All these people lived before John. John comes on the scene and Jesus said, there's never been a man, there's never been a greater prophet in all Israel than John. John, think of John's greater than Abraham. John was greater than Elijah. That's right. But even the least in my kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you guys know why? Because all of those people had the Holy Ghost that would come on them, but never in them. When God would anoint a prophet, think about this as well. The whole population of Israel, they couldn't have the Holy Spirit. So what did God have to do when He wanted to speak to His people? He'd have to anoint one man. And they couldn't be filled with the Holy Ghost like we can because they were imperfect. You guys, let me just, I go on rabbit trails, but do you understand how cleansing the blood of Jesus is? The fact that you are a temple of the Holy Ghost proves that in the Spirit, you are perfect in Christ. That His blood, the devil will try to hold your past over you, will try to hold these thoughts that disqualify you and just put these things in your ear. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you from all unrighteousness. That means that literally you are perfect, spotless, without blemish, without wrinkle, without anything, that you become so perfect that now you become a vessel in which the Most High God, the holiest of holy gods, can live on the inside of you. That's why you need to identify the who the Son sets free is free indeed. Identify the voice of the devil. When the devil tries to make you think you're anything less than that, that's, that's a lie from hell. Christians that are always so depressed and beat down and always needing a breakthrough and always... You don't know who you are. Even the least in my kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. And he is the greatest prophet Israel has ever known, Jesus said. You have more anointing than any Old Testament prophet. That's right. That's true. You believe that? Yes. That's why these signs shall follow those who believe. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new languages. You know that Isaiah never cast out demons. Only a few in the Old Testament ever laid their hands on the sick and cleansed the leopard and did those things. But the believer can do that in the New Covenant. That's right. 
So what I'm trying to get in you is the Holy Ghost works. We were in a meeting Thursday night and he said the statement, the, the preacher there, he was from Nigeria. He got up, he just moved in the raw power of God. It was, it was amazing. Healings, miracles. And he said, Jesus, it doesn't matter what country you live in. Jesus works in whatever country you live in. It doesn't matter what county you live in. It doesn't matter what state you live in. It doesn't matter what city you live in. Jesus will work. The Holy Ghost will work in every county, every city, every state, every country in the entire world, on every continent. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you all this because I'm trying to get it in your spirit that for the church, we go from glory to glory. We go brighter and brighter. That's right. Let me tie this back together. The Bible does talk about in the end times that there's going to be crazy things that are taking place and it's going to happen more frequently. And so what's been happening right now is the Lord. Again, we've been walking towards this fiery furnace. And those that don't have the Word seated in their heart, they start falling off. I can't believe how many full Gospel places shut down because of a virus. Guys, you can have it in your bylaws all day long. We believe that Jesus heals the sick. But I want to tell you, the fire will reveal what you really believe. We can't gather. And if we do, you better be vaccinated and you better have a mask on your face. How do you believe that? You don't believe that no plague will come nigh your dwelling. And though a thousand fall at your side, ten thousand die around you, no evil will touch you. How can you believe that and still conduct yourself in that way? You can't. So what happens is the fire, I'll tell you the fire is two things. The fire is the Holy Ghost, the presence of God. It reveals what's inside of us, but also fire is tests, is trials. Is the trials that we that the Spirit will lead us in. Did you know the Holy Ghost will lead you to be tested and tempted? Not tempted, but tested. The Lord doesn't tempt because He's not tempted. But the Lord will, will lead you just as Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tested. Look at Luke 4. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan River, and He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where He was tempted by the devil for 40 days. I know that what, you're, what I'm saying today, you may say, John, it seems like you're all over the place. I'm, I'm just trying to flow with what he's saying. I think the Lord's maybe speaking to a lot of people about a lot of different things this morning. Hallelujah. The Spirit will lead you to be tempted. I know a lot of... Uh, no, it said tempted. That's what my translation says. He was tempted by the devil for 40 days. God didn't tempt them. The devil tempted him. But the Bible also talks about that even when you are tempted, God won't allow you to be tempted more than what you can, what you can handle. Amen. That's right. 
But I also want to say this too, is there's many Christians, guys, that they think, they hear the message that I'm preaching and then you just begin to think that you're never going to have a test and you're never going to have a trial again in your life. It's not true. In fact, you will. I promise you, this. not only will it, well, it might happen, actually, if you're actually in the Spirit, God will see to it that it happens. Because you know why? The fire of that test will reveal what's really in you. And there's certain tests we have to pass. There's certain tests we have to pass. There's certain tests we have to pass to step into the greater things of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just want to release that word. I feel that in my spirit. The Lord's telling me that there's some of you, you are anointed and you are appointed by God. But there's tests you have to pass. You think things are going to be handed to you? They won't. They won't. Jesus was 30 before He started His public ministry. And in fact, even before he started his public ministry, he was led into the wilderness where he fasted, didn't eat or drink for 40 days where he was tempted by the devil. He had the spirit led him to that test. I'm telling you guys right now, I know it's not what people like to hear, but I think in life, really, the the Holy Ghost will actually lead you right into the fiery furnace. It's a test of faith. If you think that everything's just going to flow perfectly without opposition and in every way for the rest of your life, that's not biblical. But I'm telling you, listen to me, even though you will be tested, we don't have to fail any tests. I'm telling you that we will be tested and there's tests that the Spirit will lead us into not to humiliate us or to break us down. Actually, because when we pass those tests, our faith goes to a higher level. When we pass those tests, we're qualified for greater things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want to share a few verses with you. This is Luke 5, 37-39. Before I do that, I'm sorry, I got kind of sidetracked. Let me wrap up what I was, what I was saying. Is that we've seen that. We've seen these tests. We've seen, these te- we've seen the church be tested on what it really believes over the last two years. And what the Lord is, is look for who bowed and who stood. Who bowed and who stood. And those people have been separated. And I'm telling you, it's not too late to repent. But you, you, there's got to be true humbling repentance. You know, in the Bible, when they would repent, it wasn't just like, oh, 
okay, sorry. You know, they actually fa- they went into times of fasting. They went into times where they would put cloths on their head and they literally humbled themselves to the Lord. They felt a deep remorse and a grief, a grief for what they had done. Uh, and I want to tell you, when you repent in that way, you, be, you come out on the other side like a person. As I said before, the devil might have got you once, but I promise you he'll never get you again in that area. Oh, Father, I watch pornography, and uh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, let's go to Taco Bell. And then Christians like that, the next week they're doing the same thing again. The next month they're doing the same. They get free for three and a half days, and then they're bound again. It's not like you're trying to earn something with God, but I'm talking about God doing a deep move in our hearts, a deeper work in our hearts. Where we're, literally, we're really grieved by the things that offend God. We're really grieved by the things that violate His Word. And when we cross that line, we're so grieved that we, t- we take a say, Lord, there's a humility that comes where we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And then He lifts us up. Is that making sense to anybody this morning? And so right now, there's people, they're being qualified for things. There's people all over the country, all over Texas, even in this church. And I believe this church is, is one. We've had prophets come and give this word. that We're being qualified for certain things that the Lord is giving in this season that we're stepping into. Yes. Guys, there are business owners that you are being qualified for a different level of business. And God's going to qualify you in the Spirit before you ever see it take place in the natural. In fact, when God qualifies you, you better start believing it in the Spirit before you ever see it in the natural. Lord, I make like, you know, you may say, Lord, I make like $2,000 a month. But in my spirit, I know what you've promised me. I know what I've been doing. I know how faithful I've been. I know the path that you've led me down. And you're like, what I see doesn't make sense because you've spoken to my heart. Not for selfish reasons, but multi-millions of dollars. You have to see it in your spirit before you ever see it. And so God's qualifying people. God's qualifying churches. And so those words came forth that, that there's different places where God's going to pour out His glory. His, I mean, guys, His glory. And it's just so amazing that the evangelist that came last week, that's what he preached on all every night was the glory of God was the glory of God. And what's going to happen when the Lord does that is He's going to move in a mighty way. And in, in those places where He's pouring out in Texas, in California, in Florida, in New York, in Alabama, in New Mexico in Jesus' name, in Nevada in Jesus' name, different places. I don't know how many places they, there are, but His glory is going to be poured out. And what's going to happen is these places are going to become a reservoir for the move of God. The reason we're changing our name to Revival House is because the Lord told me there's going to be people that just come. Some people are going to come and they're called to stay. But as the Lord really, we see this thing really moving forward. And we're going to see it start taking place in 2022. People are going to come in from other states. They're not going to come in to, to, go to, to stay here and live here necessarily. They're going to come in because God's doing something new. God's doing something on the earth. 
And they're going to know by the Spirit that I have to get to where it's happening and, and catch that fire and then take it back to where the Lord's called me. That's right. And so the Lord told me, build a place where you facilitate the move of the Holy Ghost. That's all we are. We're not a church. Or we are a church, but I, I don't care about this is what a church is and what it has to be. And I'm going to read this in just a moment, but guys, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. People are going to come in, get touched, get filled with the fire. What, the new expression of, of the move of God, what the Holy Ghost is going to do. He's doing a new thing. I'm going to tell you the move of God that's taking place. It's not going to look like the voice of healing. It's not just going to look like the word of faith. It's not just going to look like the Azusa Street. It's not going to look just like Brownsville Revival. To be honest with you, I believe according to the Scriptures, it's going to look like Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. That Pentecost in Acts 2 is a type and shadow of the true move of God that will happen in the last days before Christ returns. So let me tell you, unless there's repentance, any church that's ashamed of speaking in other tongues, you're not going to be qualified. Doesn't mean God doesn't love you. I don't know if you go to heaven. That's not for me to decide. But what I am going to tell you is I know that in this move of God, I know in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost was poured out and everyone in that upper room started speaking in other tongues and it was a sign to the unbelievers. I think the Lord's going to begin to visit churches. I think the Holy Ghost right now is oppressing on other ministers, Baptist ministers, trying to open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out His Spirit where tongues is released in His church. The gifts of the Holy Ghost are released in their church. And right now, there's a testing that's taking place. There's people that are fighting that. There's people that are yielding to it. I'm telling you right now, there's people that have been Baptist churches for the last hundred years. You're going to see them uh, like a complete total shift and change. Where you go into so-and-so Southern Baptist Church and everybody's hallelujah, they're praying, they're dancing, they're speaking in other tongues, the Holy Ghost is moving. What happened? Revival happened. The Spirit was poured out. But you guys, God doesn't do that sovereignly. God doesn't come into a house where the leadership isn't interested in the true things of God and pour His Spirit out anyways. Where the, the pastor's sitting there mad and, you know, because it wouldn't work. The Holy Ghost starts moving and then they come run it like Evangelist David said. He's been to places where in worship the Holy Ghost is moving, but the clock struck, you know, 35 and then here comes the associate pastor. Well, hallelujah, everyone. You know, let's stand to your feet and and then like, there's such a heavy presence in the room and you're like, what the heck are you doing? That's the same thing that would happen. That, that the Lord can't just pour His Spirit out anywhere. There's got to be faith. There's got to be people that are actually seeking that thing. And the Lord's visiting people right now. He's trying to move upon their heart to open up in those ways. But guys, can I also tell you, not only will the Lord not move where the leadership doesn't welcome it, he won't move where a church doesn't welcome it. That's right. So you know what our jobs as leaders is? Is to, is to run off that spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. 
You think that's unloving and that's unkind? No, it's really not. It's actually for, for a love of God. That you say, I love you all day long. I want to, guys, anybody, anybody that's been a part of this church could talk about how much they've been blessed by, by the people of this church. Financially blessed, loved, accepted, prayed for, cared for in so many different ways. If anybody comes in here and says, you know, I was just not, I wasn't loved, I wasn't treated well, no, you're the problem, honestly. Because there's people here that are so loving and kind. Such a blessing. They live to be a blessing. But let me say this. Anybody could come into this church and and come right into the family of God. No problems. But not every spirit can. That's right. That's right. I'll I'll show you. Here's an example. Luke 5, 37-39. Jesus said, No one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. Look at that. The new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. We've got to let God transform us. Y'all, why am I saying this, guys? Because I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but I've been praying for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. When I say things like, Lord, like, like Father, I, wanna, I know that you're going to move like you've never moved before. That we're going to see miracles like we've never seen before in church history. That we're going to see an outpouring that's so great that nobody before has, has ever seen anything like this. Can I tell you, that's not just a fun prayer that you pray. There's work that has to be done first because if God actually poured that Spirit out to some people that pray that prayer, they would burst. They wouldn't be able to hold the new wine because they're still an old wineskin. That's right. We've got to let God come in and do a deeper work in our hearts and in our lives. New wine must be stored in new wineskin. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. So look at this. The old is just fine, they say. So how I just told you, the Lord's coming to people, but they have a choice. There's people that, you know, they they got it. Man, we we got this thing down. We got a little clock that comes on the screen, and when that thing's up, we got a rotation. You're in, you're out. Second service, you're in, you're out. Third service, you're in, you're out. We got a system where we meet this day at this time, and this is what we do. And I'm telling you, they got it down, and the old wine is just fine for them. And you know what'll happen? They won't be able to have the new wine because they're an old wine skin. If the Lord poured that new wine out in them because He wants to, it would actually kill them. It would destroy them. That's right. Think how gracious God is. Why doesn't the Holy Ghost just fall on every congregation in the United States? Because in most churches, if He really did, it would destroy that ministry. That's right. The mercy of God. Some of, I mean, I don't know. In my, the human side of me says, well, Lord, is that really a bad thing? But God is extremely merciful. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians 3, 16-18. through 18. 
But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the, for the, the Lord is the Spirit. Think about that. The Lord is the Spirit. You can't know God unless you know Him by the Spirit. A lot of people like they have no problem with the Father. They have no problem with Jesus. Oh, we worship Jesus. But even the name of the Holy Ghost just sends a shiver down their spine. We don't like that. The Lord is Spirit. You can't know God apart from knowing Him by the Spirit. You can't hear God. Guys, I want to tell you, I was telling my, my little daughter, I was teaching her how to hear the Lord. I take her out at three years old. We'll go walk and pray. And I've been teaching her how to hear the Holy Ghost. And I said, do you hear the Lord? She grabs her ear. No, I don't hear Him. And I said, because honey, you don't hear the Lord with, with your physical ear. You hear Him with your spiritual ear. You can't hear them because you're, you're trying. You hear daddy's voice in the, in, with your physical ear, but you don't know the Lord like you know daddy. You know the Lord by the Spirit. He doesn't speak like this, He speaks to your spirit. So I'll ask her, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to listen. What do you hear the Holy Ghost saying to you? She closes her eyes. Jesus lives in me. That's what she said. She, Jesus lives in me. You don't see the Lord in the flesh. There were people almost 2,000 years ago that had that privilege of getting to see God in the flesh. But as our evangelist said this last week, that they didn't, they didn't even really get to fully see Him because there was a veil. We, we're reading about this veil, that those who come to the Lord, their veil is taken away. So you have to think about that. How, how were people able to actually see Jesus in the flesh and not just burn up? Well, because Jesus hadn't went to the cross yet. And so, they, they all still had this veil that was... They saw Him, they, they heard Him, but that's why whenever He taught these parables that were so... To us, we read these things in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're like, wow, that seems pretty straightforward. And they're just standing there like, I have no idea what He's saying right now. I'm going to the cross soon. What are you talking about? I'm going to die, and I'm going to raise from the grave. And when I do, meet me in Jerusalem. We have no idea what you're saying. I mean, literally, that's what they... How? You're like, how can he be more clear? They had a veil. They couldn't hear. They couldn't see. It was, there was a veil. And, 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 you know, Peter actually kind of broke through that veil whenever... Who am I? He said, you're the Messiah. And then he said, flesh and blood... Peter, you just went through that veil. The Spirit, the, my Father in Heaven revealed that to you. You didn't catch that in the flesh. You caught it in the Spirit. Hallelujah. And so, there's a veil. You have to know God by the Spirit. It says, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yes. Hallelujah. That's why we get up here and we sing these, I'm free. I am free to run. The Holy Ghost lives in me. I'm free. I'm free. The Spirit's on the ends. I'm not trying to get... Guys, I'm not trying to get free. I am free because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm not trying to get out of the devil's claws and trying to escape the devil. I am free from the devil. And he has to do what I say. When I use the name of Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Let me read it to you in the Amplified. And we all with unveiled face continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are progressively being transformed into His image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So let me just tell you, the thing the Lord put on my heart today is talking about a new work, a greater work. And I really didn't get to get into all my message because the Lord was just speaking some other things, but... It says, as we face Christ and we walk in relationship with Him, we're like a mirror. We're like the moon. You know, the moon actually doesn't have light. The moon reflects the sun. When you see the moon and it's bright, it's not its own light. It's just a reflection of the sun. Uh, And so that's why, you know, when you see like a, what is it, a lunar eclipse or lunar eclipse, Wherever you see the little shadow go over the moon, it's because the earth moved, you know, right in front of the path where you got the sun, now the earth, now the moon. It's a straight line. And so whenever the earth comes in front of the moon, that has no light. But that's what the Bible is talking about. We reflect him. So in order to even reflect his glory, guys, we have to face the Lord. We have to be facing him. We have to be in his presence. We have to be in communion with Him. And it says that as we do that, He transforms us from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. How does the Lord transform you from glory to glory? By the Holy Ghost. That's right. By the Holy Ghost. That's right. I'm going to tell you, if you don't have a relationship with the Holy Ghost in your life, you, you need to get one real fast. Like today, exactly, right now, yeah. And so, let's put these two things together. You can't put new wine into old wineskins. I wrote this, I said, as wine is being poured out, the wine, it's the spirit, it's the new wine of heaven. As wine is being poured out, we have to become new wineskins. Let me just simplify this. As the Lord is transforming you from glory to glory, what worked last season won't work this season. That's right. Guys, we have to constantly be coming to the Lord, asking Him to make us a new wineskin. Lord, You're transforming me. You're recreating me. You're changing things in my life. I, I literally have to constantly surrender myself. Because as I'm being transformed into new glory, I can't step into that new level of glory, that new degree of glory, if I'm still an old wineskin. I would bust, I would rupture, and I wouldn't be able to hold anything that you give to me, and that you tell me, and that you put in my hand.
I want to end. I know I've been preaching a little bit this morning. Can y'all give me a few more minutes? If you do have to use the bathroom or whatever, I understand. You've sat here for a while. But I'm going to just keep going for a minute. Hebrews 12, 1-3. Turn there. Is the Lord speaking to anybody in here this morning? Yes. The Lord's showing you some things, speaking some things to you. Hallelujah. Lord, let us carry the new wine. The new wine. The new wine of heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I heard Dr. Rodney say something one time that, that I, I, I've never understood until recently. Where he said, you mu-, he said, every 90 days I let God com- re- completely recreate me. So what he does is what I mean by, like even with their ministry, if you follow the river, and I know I use them a lot because the Lord's given us insight that their ministry really is kind of pointing the way for this time. I'm not going to go into all of that, but the Lord does raise people up that are just giant neon signs saying, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what God's doing. And that is one of those places but if you, if you follow their ministry, it seems like every time you turn around, they're doing something different. They're just doing something new or they're taking something to the next level. And, and so he said that statement. He said, every 90 days I get with the Lord and uh, he said, I, I pretty much just bring my entire ministry to the Lord. I bring everything to the Lord and I just ask him to completely recreate it. You know why? Because the old wineskins can't hold the new wine. Wow, that's right. Guys, we get stuck in a rut. And I know that society tells you that you, know, you grew up and with certain influences and by the time you're 20, you kind of already got it figured out. Well, this is how I am. By God, and I'll be this way until I die. Old wineskins can't hold new wine. What if we took our lives? Think about your life. What if you took your life every, every week, every month, whatever that looks like, and came before the Lord and said, Lord, I, I want to be transformed into your likeness. So that's what the Bible talks about is as we're on this earth and we're in fellowship with God, that we should actually be stepping closer and closer and closer into the full image of who Christ is. That means that the longer that I'm in Christ, the more John Wallace is dead and it's Christ that lives in me. And that as I become an old man, when people look at me, they shouldn't see John Wallace. They should see Jesus when they look in my eyes. Because I've allowed the Lord to do His perfect work in me. What if we took our lives and literally said, Lord, I hold on to nothing. I don't have to be anything. I know in Huntington, Texas, all we, all we want to do is grow out our mullets and run around in our big trucks and, and we think that we just have to be a certain kind of way because that's what the world tells us. But what if I literally just came to the Lord and said, actually, Lord, I just put everything in your hand and I, I want you to make me a new wineskin. Recreate me. Lord, what needs to go? What needs to go? What needs to change? What needs to transform? What do I need to do to become a new wineskin to carry the new wine of heaven? Are y'all still with me here? 
Hallelujah. It says in Hebrews 12, 1-3, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Say the life of faith. If y'all want to know, how do I live the life of faith? I'm going to give you the key, the answer to never growing weary. I'm going to give you the key right now to never burning out. Christians seem to struggle with that. Burnout. Burnout. I'm just burnout. I'm going to tell you the God honest truth. I, I don't know how many years we've been in revival. When I'm talking about revival, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost doing personal revival in me. The Holy Ghost started personal revival in me the minute that I became the pastor of this church. When I first came to this church as a youth pastor, again, I grew up in a, in a church that didn't, didn't teach me about... I never saw anybody get healed, really. And except a few times we had this African. Y'all remember K.L. Dixon? Was his name K.L. Dixon? We saw the Holy Ghost move, but that was like every few years, you know? I'm not shaming anybody. I'm just telling you. When I was 16 years old, I got powerfully baptized in the Holy Ghost. I mean, I, I, I didn't really know anything about speaking in tongues, never saw anyone fall out, didn't know anything about that. But I went to this event. You probably heard my story. The Holy Ghost hit me. I went on the ground. I got up speaking in other tongues and the fire of God came upon my life. And this is what ended up happening. I went home and, and the anointing was working through me and my friends were getting saved. My school's getting touched. All of that. It's great and wonderful. But I burn out. Uh, because I had so many missing pieces in my life. Went to Bible college, tried to serve, the, you know, was serving the Lord, got out of Bible college. And I want to tell you, my life was just always kind of a struggle. I had so many missing pieces in my life because of lack of doctrine. Y'all act like, you know, doctrine's not a big deal. It's a big deal. That's why, why am I taking in two hours to sit here and preach the word? Doctrine is a big deal. Because I've lived my life with bad doctrine, and I've lived my life with good doctrine, and the truth set me free, and I never went back again. And so, I remember getting out, serving the Lord, was a youth pastor, was this and that, and the Lord just, He was so gracious to us, He still spoke to us by the Holy Ghost, and we moved out here. But I remember, right before the opportunity to take this church, opened up, and pastor, it was Life Church at that time, uh, I was crying out to the Lord and I said, Lord, I felt you more when I was 16 than I do right now. I've been to Bible college. I've been in the ministry. I've been doing all these things to try to serve you, but I felt you more. You were more real to me that night when I was 16 years old than you've ever been. I knew I was missing something. And immediately, my heart was so broken and hungry and thirsty. Immediately, I came into connection with, with revival ministry, with Dr. Rodney's ministry with Brother Jonathan Shuttlesworth's ministry. And I began to just consume, 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 consume. The word of faith came. All of a sudden, wow. Oh, oh my gosh, that whole movement, the word of faith and, and how faith works. Now all of a sudden, wait, people can get healed? I can pray for the sick? Wait, people can be blessed and prosper? Wait, I have authority over the devil? All these things begin to come and my life drastically changed. And in fact, my ministry changed so fast that the church that I was working with basically was like, you can't minister like that. Uh, if you're going to continue to work for us, you have to turn your sermons in and we'll give you the sermon. Either A, you have to get your sermons 
approved by us, or B, you have to take the sermons that we're writing and preach them in your pulpit. Well, I mean, y'all know me now. There's no way that would have worked. I don't even know what I'm preaching until half the time I'm up here doing it. And so, I mean, really, it's like the Lord just uh, totally saved us there. But so, uh, but I want to tell you, the moment that that happened, coming up three years, we've went through tests. We went through trials. We've went through things where our test was faith our, our our faith was tested the holy ghost led us into these things but i have never lost my fire for the lord i've never grown to a point where i'm just like i just don't want to minister anymore and i'd rather go just get a normal job and not do this i mean really i've i've <laughs> you don't have to lose your fire I'm going to tell you this, guys. You don't have to lose the fire of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to burn out. You don't have to run dry. Because Jesus promised us a living water that we would never thirst again. You don't have to burn out. You don't have to run dry. You don't have to give out and, 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 and just struggle. and, and you, you never get breakthrough. You don't have to do that. There's certain things, and I'm going to tell you the key. The life of faith. Say life of faith. Life of faith. We are surrounded by these witnesses to the life of faith. So therefore, let us strip off. Here's some keys here. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance. Say endurance. endurance. The race God has set before us. How do we do that? How do we live the life of faith? How do we run with endurance? That means endurance means that you don't just sprint, 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 and then you stop and, okay, now I need to stop for a month. I need to go take a sabbatical for a month, guys. I'm burnt out. How do you do that? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. I'm just going to share a couple things with you this morning to, to close this. I want to read it to you in the Amplified. Therefore, since we're surrounded by uh, so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, Stripping off every unnecessary weight. I'm going to talk to you in a moment about unnecessary weight. And the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. I want you to look at this. Looking away from all that will distract us. And focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. So we run our race by looking at Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus. I think that it's interesting. It talks about weights that slow you down. What, what's, what sin that, that tangles you up and weight that slows you down? Anything that takes your eyes off of Jesus. 
I want to share this last part, and we'll probably preach this for a few weeks because there's still so much more in here that I want to unpack. I say that, but we'll see. Uh, because that's the thing, y'all. I mean, honestly, when, I, when you study Jesus, He spoke fresh word. Fresh manna from heaven. Amen? Amen. We don't, you guys don't want some scripted thing that somebody came up here with. Fresh manna from heaven that the Holy Ghost is speaking today. The key to everything is, is keeping your eyes on Jesus. I heard the Lord tell me this this morning. He said, the problem that people have is they don't structure their life where they keep their eyes on Jesus. The Lord said, get rid of distractions. Amen. Amen. I'm about done. I know y'all are getting antsy. Just stay with me. Get rid of distractions. Anything. I love that it says that. It says. Looking away from all. Say all. You know, the, the key to our life, the key to being transformed into His glorious image, the key to becoming new wine skin for the new wine, is, is it's really simple. Put your eyes on Jesus, and anything that takes your eyes off of Jesus, you need to get rid of it in your life. Yeah. Guys, I'm so serious. Like I, I, I look at Christianity. I'm going to talk about Facebook in a moment, and what the Lord's shown me about Facebook and and just kind of share some thoughts that I have about this. But the Lord told me that many people's problems is that they've set their lives up completely wrong. That their life is full of every kind and sort of thing that is literally created to take your eyes off of Jesus. You know, I've actually noticed something personally in my life. This last week or so, the Lord just, the Holy Ghost convicted my wife, get off Facebook and Instagram. She deleted it off her phone. And then when she did that, I said, you know, I think I'm just going to do the same thing. And I'm going to talk about ministry, right? Because in a moment, people are going to say, well, I use my Facebook for ministry. Okay, well, we'll talk about that in a second. Which is good. I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm just going to tell you some things the Lord shared with me. But I noticed this. I would come into powerful meetings and encounters with the Lord where I would get in the glory of God. But because of things in my life, the, the setup that I had in my life, you know what I would find the next day? I had to come get in the glory of God again the next day. And then you know what happened? A couple days go by and I find myself having to work and get back in the presence and get back in the glory of God. And I'm sitting here thinking, Lord, why is that? Why does it seem like I can just be so caught up in you? And then all of a sudden, a day later, you know, I'm, I'm working and getting back in and getting back in that flow. And I'm having to like a, you know, like a, a lawnmower, just pull the, you know, praying in tongues and let's get the thing moving. Let's get the blade going and, and, and get in the spirit. And the Lord literally showed me whenever I deleted Facebook off of my phone, I noticed a day went by, two days went by, three days went by, and I wasn't having to get in the glory of God. I was staying in the glory of God. 
You know why? Because the things that were taking my eyes off of Jesus actually were removed and I was able to just set my eyes on Jesus and run the race with endurance. People's lives are set up wrong. You get in the presence, you come in, you get in, and then because your life is set up to take you out of the glory of God. And I want to tell you, the Bible tells us that the moment that the Word of God is sown, think about the parable of the sower. What was the first thing? The devil came to snatch the seed away. And people's lives are set up so wrong where they come and they experience... Some of you guys were in revival last week. I want to tell you, you could have came and got hit with the joy of the Lord, but if your life is set up wrong, you'll get out of the glory of God. Anything that takes your eyes that would cause you to be distracted from putting your eyes on Jesus, we're coming to a time where Paul, Paul told us this thousands of years ago, but we've got to get rid of it. The devil comes to take the word, and the thing is, is that many people set their whole lives where the devil just has tons of access points to their life. Well, I don't feel like I'm taking my eyes off Jesus. I went to church. But then you go to church, what, two days a week? Most people don't do that. And then we're hours and hours and hours on Netflix, on our phones. You guys tell me that I'm not right. Walk in today. Go out and eat and walk into the restaurant and see. I've observed this. If you would have walked into a restaurant 20 years ago, you know what you would have saw? People talking. Strangers sitting there. How is your day today? Oh, it's really good today. Oh, hallelujah. Great to meet you. My name's John. My name's Jeff. Having a conversation. But nowadays, you walk in somewhere, all you see is somebody sitting there and they're like three feet apart and they're just sitting there on their cell phones. There's no interaction. The, the society is structured to take your eyes off of Jesus. To pull your eyes, and I'm telling you, the second you take your eyes off Jesus, you'll step outside of the glory of God. How do we reflect the glory? It says we reflect it like the moon, like a mirror. That means that we're facing, in order to reflect and be saturated and transformed from glory to glory, we have to face Him. That means the moment that we shift our focus to something else, we've stepped out of the thing that transforms us from glory to glory. We've stepped out of His presence. We've shifted our focus. Yeah. Guys, the, the Christianity, I just don't understand. The Lord's convicted me so deeply. Is How is it okay? Even today, we're in church for a few hours. But I guarantee you, if we compared the amount of time that we're in the house of God to the amount of time that, that our faces are looking at a screen, we would be like blown away. Wow, my... This screen has seen my face more than the people of God have. This screen has seen my face more than my spouse has. This screen has seen my face more than my children have. This is a deep conviction that the Lord told me. <laughs> Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. 
And I'll talk to you about Facebook. That's exactly how it works. I want to say this. So if you are on Facebook, and you guys, I mean, honestly, we could go into just not Facebook, but I'm telling you, the old, I love how in the book of Hebrews it says, let us strip off every weight and sin. Did you know that there's some things that aren't necessarily sin, but are weights? Is it a sin for me to watch TV? I don't know. If the Holy Ghost told you it is, then it's a sin. I don't care. If the Holy Ghost puts His hand on something, to know what to do, to know what's right, and then not do it is sin. The Bible says. If the Holy Ghost told you chocolate pudding's a sin, don't go justifying it. Well, where does the Bible say chocolate pudding? It's a sin to you if you do it. And what will happen? Number one, sin will get you out of the glory. Sin will get you, literally, your focus. (laughs) You cannot be in fellowship with God and fellowship with sin at the same time. The Bible tells us that very clearly. Can you be saved and commit sin at the same time? Yes, you can, and you can repent. Can Can I commit sin over a lifetime and claim to be saved? No, you can't. The Bible says you won't. If you're saved, you won't do that. Um. But guys, that's how, our, that's how our life is set up. We're sitting here and we're, we're spending, watching three hours a day of Netflix. You come home from a hard day of work and what do you have? Some of you guys, if you're older, it may not be Netflix. It may be the news. It may just be the news constantly on the, on the background. And, and, you know, or Facebook, sitting there just scrolling, looking at people's feeds all the time. Taking your eyes off of Jesus. Can I tell you where we could shift our priorities? You know, number one, those things need to go. But then you may be asking yourself, if those things go, what am I going to do with all my time? Come to the house of God. We're going to be moving into a season very soon where you're going to have lots of opportunity to come to the house of God. I'm not going to share everything about it, but lots of opportunity to come to the house of God. What am I supposed to do with all the? If I don't watch Netflix, that means that I have like three hours at night where I would stay up till midnight watching this stuff. Well, I don't know. Here's a crazy thought. How about spend time with the Lord? Yeah. How about read a book? Read the Bible. Read a book that, that builds faith. Yeah. Get on YouTube. Listen to preaching and teaching. Saturate yourself in the Word of God. Guys, we got to get back to the point. Of where the church is doing this. In Psalms 1, those that meditate on the Word day and night. We were in Dr. Rodney's, and I'm telling you, it's so opposite of, of culture. He has a mega church, and he's done it the exact opposite way of any book that you would read about how to build a mega church. When we were there for the minister's conference, we started service at what time? No, it was like 8 or 9. I don't think it was seven, but let's say it was seven. Okay, eight. Uh, I'm just <laughs> She's like, I'm going to throw something at you. So we started service in the morning, and it, you know, it wasn't done until like sometimes two, three o'clock in the afternoon, and then you're turning around at five and going back up there till midnight. And I'm sitting there like, this is crazy, right? This is crazy. But then the evangelist stood up and said, but that's what the word, meditating on the word day and night. Yeah. Wow. Keeping your eyes on Jesus. You know, people are like, 
why am I having such a hard time getting in the glory of God? Well, every, it's seven? Okay. Every TV show you watch, it's just full of, of sex and drugs. And well, you know, there was no sex scenes in it. Well, there was a lot of other stuff that, I mean, it just, the thing is, it's taking your focus off of Jesus. I'm telling you, as you begin to remove those obstacles, you'll find yourself not having to get in and get out and get in and get out, but you can get in and stay in the glory of God. That's right. Flow in the river. Amen. Facebook steals your attention. I'll just tell you guys, honestly, I mean, it does for me. Number one, you shouldn't see. There's just things you shouldn't see. I don't think that, it, that, that we were meant to know what everybody ate for lunch yesterday. But let me just say this as well. This is how it works for me. It's really what I would see is, you know, some knucklehead get on there and, and post something stupid about Jesus. And then I'd get mad. I'd get fighting mad about it. I'd read some Facebook posts and I'm sitting there like, oh, my gosh. Next thing you know. The next day rolls around and I'm having to get back into the glory of God. And I'm so like, Lord, what the heck happened? Where did the flow break? It broke because the devil, my life was set up where the devil was able to just one little thing, just take my eyes off of Jesus. You see that post, you know, people that in your flesh, it upsets you, it angers you, it hurts you, things that people have maybe have done, and then, you know, you see something come up, and it just takes you back to that place. It cuts, it cuts you out of the flow. So let me just kind of address this, and I'm going to end. So people say, you know, well, I use my Facebook for ministry. Let me just say this. If that's true... You need to do two things. Number one, you better make sure that you have a grace from God. And then number two, you better make sure that you tread lightly while you're doing it. Because we use our Facebook for ministry, but the Lord showed me that I can actually broadcast from this camera right here, and I never even have to have the app on my phone, and it'll just go straight to my Facebook without me ever having to get on there. And I know that you're like, well, my life just isn't set up like that. Well, if you really feel grace by the Lord to do that, then get your life set up like that. Amen. So, because the Lord gave me this, you know, if you were called to the mission field of India, right? Well, I use my Facebook as, as, a, as a ministry to reach the lost. I'm, okay, that's great, but make sure the Lord told you to do it, and if you do it, tread lightly. You say, well, I was, I'm called to the mission field of India. If you were to do that, you wouldn't go to India and be hanging out in the idol shrines, right? Getting tattoos and eating food sacrificed to idols and going in there and lighting incense and worship. You wouldn't do that, would you? If you were called to go minister at bars, would you go sit down at the, at the, at the counter and start ordering shots and then go with a girl to the back room? Would you be doing that? Absolutely not. But that's exactly how Facebook is structured. I mean, guys, I'm telling you, videos pop up that you, you, you find yourself watching something that you're like, it just completely takes you, your eyes off of Christ. Let us run with endurance the life of faith, this race that's been set before us. We do this by putting our eyes on Jesus. 
and removing every distraction that would keep us from putting our eyes on Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm done this morning. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just take a second and let's just lift your hands up to the Lord. Just begin to thank Him and praise Him for a moment. Lord, we give You glory. We give You glory. We don't only just want teaching from me, Lord. We want, we want the Holy Ghost to move. We want the Holy Ghost to touch people. You touch them, Lord. All glory, if there's any, let it come off of me, Lord. I don't want anybody looking to me. I want them to look to You right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you to just pray in the Spirit for a moment. Is Hannah with the baby, James? Hannah with the baby? Okay. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you. We give you glory. Hallelujah. Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Lord. Touch them, Lord. Everybody that's in this house this morning, touch them, Lord. Touch them, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Touch them, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Touch them, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Touch them, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me ask, is anybody in the room, you having any physical pain in your body? Is that anybody? Is everybody with your hand down? Is there anybody that has physical pain in their body? They would like to receive prayer this morning. The Lord will touch you. He'll heal you. This is what Jesus did. He preached, He taught, and He healed. He preached, He taught, He healed. The Lord will confirm His Word with, with healings. Now, if you're, if you're standing in faith, I want to say this, because I know, I'm not saying, well, I have a little ache, but I, you know and you're, you're a Christian and you're standing in faith, you don't need to confess that and receive prayer every time. You can, you can stand in faith and be healed. But is there anybody here? You're saying, no, I need hands laid on me today. I need something touched in my body today. The Lord will do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise You, Lord. We praise You, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Holy Ghost for a moment. Hallelujah. I have a word for you, Miss Teresa. I'm going to give it to you. The Lord today, he told me. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Lord told me today that as I, was, as I was preaching, he gave you words specifically to you. You heard things, you caught something that applies to your life specifically. The Lord said that that was me. I, I'm the one that spoke to you. He's given you instructions. He's told you what to do in certain areas. It's nobody's business what that is. But the Lord is just confirming His Word to you that those things that you caught, the things that you heard today that apply to you specifically, they're from Him. And He says, as you go and you do those things, even the things that may be hard, He says, your obedience your obedience will produce blessing in your life. Your obedience will produce blessing in your life. The key to breakthrough is obedience. The Lord says, because I don't just move from heaven and, and cause things to just shift and miracles to happen. He said, even with Moses, he said, I told him there was an instruction, stretch out your rod. And as he was obedient, the Red Seas began to part. The Lord says there's an instruction that he's given you. There's an instruction. And when you're obedient with that instruction, where there was no way, he said, I'll make a way. Where there was no way, I'll make a way. Miracles. Miracles you're believing for in your family. The Lord's given you instruction. Hallelujah. You receive that? Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. I'm going to go ahead and ask my ushers to come up. We're going to take up our tithes and offerings. I think we just, Brother Chance, you want to assist this morning? Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. If y'all ever wonder, what, is, what, what are we doing when we're just up here kind of pacing around? Honestly, what I'm doing is just not talking. I'm trying to hear the Lord. <laughs> Sitting here just listening, trying to, because again, as I told you, you don't hear the Lord with your ear. You hear him with your spirit. So I just want to be sensitive and, and listen. And when I feel the Lord press something on me, I may stop for a minute and just kind of tune in and listen to him and ask him, OK, Lord, I feel like you're, you're speaking this to me and, and ask him to unfold it a little bit more and, and tell me how to deliver it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I know sometimes we may do things that seem crazy, but that's the Bible. It says, as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So everything we do, we be led by the Spirit. 
I offering to get up here and give you a little message and, you know, something we wrote down and whatever. Led by the Holy Ghost. Lord, what do you want to say about this today? Let's just ask the Holy Ghost real quick. Holy Ghost, what do you have to say about the offering today? What instructions would you give to your church today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We love you. We love you. I want to challenge you if you don't already, but I just want to kind of clearly define some things to you about the tithe. I believe most of you know this because you go to church here. Um, But your tithe, your tithe is a tenth of everything that God gives you. Everything. Abraham made a covenant with the Lord where he tithed to Melchizedek. And and when you read that in the book of Genesis, it says that he went out and the Lord, because of the blessing of the Lord, he was able to conquer his enemies and then gather all the spoils of his enemies. And so when he came to the high priest Melchizedek, it says he gave him a tenth of everything that he recovered. Why did he do that? It's actually interesting. If you, if you study historically, in those ancient days, uh, even pagans tithed, but they tithed to their false deities. So what they would do is their crops that they would get or their abundance that they would get, they would go and give a tenth of it to their God that they worship because they believed whatever good thing you know, had come to them came from their God. It was because their God had blessed them. And so Abraham actually modeled this for us biblically. When he tithed the Melchizedek, he gave a tenth of everything he recovered. And he was doing it out of honor. What he was saying to the Lord was, Lord, I know that you gave me everything that I have. Say everything. Everything. He said, all the spoils that I have that have come into my hand, Lord, it's because of your blessing that I have all of them. And so I know that we teach, there's so many, diff- there's so many applications of, of giving. We could teach about seed time and harvest and how the Bible promises when you give that God will multiply it and He'll prosper you and all of that's true. But the thing that's been the most heavy on my heart is honor. It's honor. Say honor. honor. And we're in a month where we really celebrate giving thanks unto the Lord. And honestly, what our tithes should be is, yes, we should give... I want want you to understand this as well. Malachi chapter 3, to kind of help you explain this. Your tithe, according to the Bible, your tithe, in most accurate way we could translate it to modern Christianity, your tithe goes to to the church that you're a part of. Why is that? Malachi 3, he said, bring your tithes and offerings to the storehouse. So there will be enough food in my temple, says the Lord. When you study what was actually happening in Malachi, uh, in the book of Malachi, the Lord told the prophet, here the people are, they're prospering because I've blessed them. He says, I brought them to a good land that's overflowing with milk and honey. I've given them opportunity. I've given them victory over their enemies. 
But yet, what, what ended up happening? Greed got into the people of God where they got obsessed with, with the things. And, he, and God actually got angry because His temple laid in ruins and His priests were on the side starving. And so, you know, who were the priests? The priests were the people that were interceding for the people of Israel day and night. They were the ones that were going before the Lord. They were the ones that were working in the, uh, uh, in the temples on behalf of the people to represent the people. And so the Lord said, because I want to ask you this question as well. Okay, I'm going to just talk about honor for a moment. There is an element when we give, we're honoring the Lord. But guys, can I also, when you give, you're, I know this is controversial, but you're honoring the house of God. You're honoring a man of God. You're honoring a woman of God. If it was all about just giving to the Lord, then why wouldn't we just go put all our money in a pile and burn it? Why wouldn't we do that, right? If it was just unto the Lord, why wouldn't we just gather all of our money, go out into a big burn pile, and light it on fire and say, here you go, the Lord. Here you go, God. Here's a tenth of everything I have. I offer it unto you. That's not what he said. He said, bring it to the temple so there'll be enough food in my temple, says the Lord. In Malachi chapter 3. You know, when people give to their church, it needs to come from a place of honor for that ministry. Honor to the Lord, but I'm just being honest with you, because when I give, I do the same thing. Honor to that, saying, Lord, I, I actually recognize that the blessing that's on my life, it's not just because of me. Let me kind of explain this further. Did you know that when you're connected with a church, that there is a grace that, that's on your life as long as you're connected to that house? If you really see, most of these people that are little lone wolf people that, that just kind of do their own thing and bounce around, when you really look at them, they're not really super blessed people. They're not people that really seem to have a whole lot of opportunities in life, a whole lot of things open up. They're kind of just strange, like, you know what I'm talking about. Guys, can I tell you, we released a word from this house a few weeks ago from Psalms 37 that the Lord was removing the wicked and the righteous were moving in. The wicked were coming out and the righteous were moving in and possessing the land. Do you know since we released that word, we've had four people in this house get promoted at work? Hallelujah! Since we released that word, we've had four people in this house get promoted by God in their workplace with bigger salaries, with bigger responsibilities, with greater doors being opened to them since the moment we released that Word. You know what that shows you? That there is a grace that comes on the Word of the Lord. There is a grace when you're in covenant relationship with a house, with, with a people. And so when you tithe, that's really what you're doing is you're, is you're giving honor. The Bible says give honor where honor is due. I'm telling you, honor the Lord. But guys, I'm going to also tell you, there's a lot of people that honor the Lord, but then they treat people like poop. I think that if the Lord came down and did an evaluation of how well does the congregations of America honor their house, it would be, very, it would be a, a flunked test. Our, really, our giving, our tithing to our church should come from a place where I say, Lord, 
The kingdom is the most important thing in my life. The kingdom is more beneficial to me. You know, the wisdom of God is, more, is better than choice silver than the purest gold, the book of Proverbs says. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you could do, the Bible says. So you say, Lord, the, the, being connected into the, a house like this is actually the most beneficial and important element of my life, other than having a, you know, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to show you that I honor that ministry. I'm going to show you that I honor that work. I'm going to show you that, that I put it in its proper place. Because can I be honest with you guys? Why is it that we have a mentality in the church? We could go spend thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on other things when it comes to like chairs in the church. Hey, let's have a fundraiser. Let's go sell cookies on the side of the road and ask pagan people for money because we just like we don't want to give anything substantial to the house of God. We have to honor put put things in their proper place in our lives. Yeah. Am I being too real with that? Man, you know, we want TVs, we want cars, we want this, we want that. No problem, no problem. But when it comes to the things of God and the house of God, I think, and I'm not just talking to this church, everything the Lord has me say, it's, it's to a bigger spectrum, really. Um, but when it comes to the house of the Lord, people, people have no problem giving their treasure to the world while the house of God lays in ruins. And, it, and honestly, I'll just be honest, it shows you what you honor in your life. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So where you put your treasure shows where your heart truly is. Let me just tell you this as well. You will receive at a different level from a ministry when you begin to honor that ministry financially. Again, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Jesus went to his hometown and it says he could not do any miracles there. Why? For a prophet is honored everywhere but in their own hometown. Because of their lack of honor, they also had unbelief. So I'm telling you, Christians that come in and they're part of a church, and guys, let me just tell you, if you're a person that just has a take, 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 take mindset, why don't you go pray and fast and do all these things and come and, and, and let's just give our absolute best all the time. And I'm going to come and I'm just going to take and take. And when I need something, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not mad. I'm just telling you, this is a lot of people's mindset. When I need prayer, I'm going to be on the phone. When I need this done, when I need that done, I know who I'm going to call. And it's just a take, take, take mindset. But Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. Why don't I take everything from the house of God and give nothing to it? Or why don't I take the treasures? Because Jesus said, don't cast your pearls to swine. Did you know He said that? Why don't I take treasures from heaven? I'll take my treasure. I'll take the Lord's treasure and then I'll give them spare change. That's a lot of people's mindset. I'll give you guys a testimony. And again, I'm not, I'm not actually rebuking you because our church is the opposite. The evangelist that just came in, I'm going to give you all a testimony. Our church was able to bless him with $11,000 over the course of his meetings. If that offends you, I hope it offends you even more. And I hope that it makes you so mad because when he told me that, it made me really happy. 
And it made me about jump up and shout and say hallelujah. You know why? Because I like giving. I like giving. Maybe I'm a weirdo. I like giving. Uh, 11,000. He sent me rejoicing. Hallelujah, man. What a blessing. And that's always been my vision as this little church. As, and we're not going to be little forever. But as, as these people come in, that, that, that they would carry that testimony everywhere they went. Y'all, let me tell you about some little church I went to. <laughs> that they excelled in this way. Does that, you know, that's biblical. Paul said that about the Philippian church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So I want you to ask the Lord, if you're bringing your tithe this morning, do so just with a heart of gratitude to the Lord, a, grat- a heart of gratitude to the ministry that you and your family receive from the Lord. And also, I want to just challenge you as well. If the Holy Ghost has been speaking to you about sowing seed, I want you to say Offering. People don't understand an offering uh, is anything that comes above your tithe. Then let me just explain this as well. Your tithe is a tenth of everything. I'll say it again. That comes into your hand. Say everything. Everything. That means, you know, as as you begin to make investments and you profit off of those things, that's 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 something, right? The Lord's blessed you. That's income. As you sell properties, you sell things. That's income, is it not? A biblical tithe is a tenth of everything that comes into your hand. You give it back, a tenth of it back to the Lord in honor for Him blessing you with it. Did y'all kill the pad, Lou? Put it back on for me. Uh, An offering is anything that you would give above your tithe. So if you give a tenth and then you say, well, I mean, because I'm going to tell you this as well. The Bible says give your tithe and offerings. And so... I'll also challenge you, number one, if you, if you don't tithe, you're financially cut off from the Lord. And it's not because He's mad at you and He's cut you off. You have cut yourself off by failing to obey what He clearly prescribed for us to do in His Word. You really, you've tied His hands and He's sitting there with tied hands saying, I, I really, really want to do this for you, but I can't do it. An offering is anything that you would give above your tithe. Let me just tell you the God-honest truth about it too. If you don't tithe, then what you give is not a biblical offering. So if you say, well, I don't actually give my tithe, but I just give, if I have something to give, I'll I'll give it. Y'all, honestly, if you read the book of Malachi, God doesn't receive every type of offering. There was offerings they were bringing to His house because they were going outside of what he already said to do in his word, where he said, I wish he would just shut the temple door so I don't even have to look at this abomination anymore. Yeah. I know if you're, you know, if we were about money, that's what people think. Well, I just don't like it. He took too long. He's about money. If I was about getting your money, would I ever say something like that to you? No, I'd probably just get up here and try to give you something that you want to hear and make you feel good so we get something from you and send you on your way. I'm not, I don't really care about that. I've already seen the Lord literally bring people into this church. You know, the biggest, I don't know, maybe, maybe this should rough, ruffle some feathers. Did you know the biggest offering we've ever gotten from this church was from a person that doesn't even go to church here? The single largest check we've ever received as a church came from a person that visited one Sunday, doesn't even go to church here. I don't know if that... 
If you're in competition with yourself, not that you compete with others, I don't know. That would bother me. I, that, you know, I, I'm just saying it. That would bother me. Like, Lord, should it be that, should it be that way? Or is there honor in the house of God for the things of the Lord, for the ministry of the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. As you prepare to give, we put the ways to give on the screen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I know I've heard people say it. I was at a revival last week where they were standing up there and they said, well, Lord, hallelujah. Bless those that have to give and bless those that don't have to give. I'm like, really? Like, I just really had, find it hard to believe in, in the United States of America. Somebody, maybe there is, but really, like, that, that's a lame excuse because most people have something to give. They just don't want to give. And I want to tell you, if you don't want to give, that's fine. But the blessing's not the same for those two people. Jesus said, give. Say, give. Give. And you shall receive, but pressed down, shaking together, running over to make room for more, poured back into your lap. The amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. Let me repeat that again. The amount that you give will determine. Not God's willingness, not if God wants to bless you. That's not a question that God wants to bless you. The amount that you give will determine the amount that you receive back from the Lord. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, those who sow sparingly reap sparingly, but those who sow generously reap generously. Hallelujah. Different levels of giving produce different harvests. Y'all say, well, you know, do you really, you take this a little far. Guys, you know that like this last month, we gave over 25, 20 to 25% of everything that came into this church to other ministries. Wow, you're really trying to get something from us. Really? Then why would we give like a fifth, either a fourth or a fifth of all of our money out to other ministries as a church? Because I believe it. Because I believe that we've tithed and I've seen it happen where our bank account starts going low and lower and lower because people don't want to give. And then God will send a man in from nowhere to write a $25,000 check for the church because the people don't want to do it. But the Lord honors his ministry and he'll see to it. So I'm telling you, if nobody gives, you don't have to. The Lord will bring it in. I've had people from Kansas that just watch us and like bless by it and they send in large offerings to our church. The Lord will provide for his people. This church will never shut down. But I'm telling you that the level that the Holy Ghost moves in this church will be determined by the honor that's shown in this house as well. Well, we honor the things of God. Well, I don't know. Then let's let's honor in action. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your blessing. We ask that you just receive this from a pure heart, from a place of of humility. We love you. We sacrifice the treasures of this world that you've given us. It's easy to lay down. Lord, we do it with joy in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, 
go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.